spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today has been a crazy, awesome, wonderful day. I've been interviewing people for my leadership summit called Seeking the Path. I hope you're interested in that. I I see parents as leaders of the world. In fact, when I first discovered I was a leader, it was because of a situation I had happen to me when I was in the grocery store with my son. And at that point, you know, as you all know, uh, at least those of you who aren't new to the show, I raised eight kids, six were adopted. Um, Most of the adopted kids were multiply handicapped. And so it was a big load. I found myself in the grocery store and uh, with my one son who liked to jump and scream when he saw old people, I think because it was fun to watch them have a heart attack and all that reaction was all worthwhile. So at any rate, he was a big boy and he would jump and scream at such a high, high pitched, high decibel level that all the whole place would shake. And I took him grocery shopping anyway because I figured he had to have exposure therapy and learn how to heal, deal with it, heal with it and deal with it. And uh, there I was and I was with my daughter and he jumps and screams because I missed my opportunity to stop him and he did this just as an old man came around the corner now if I was telling you this story live you'd cry and laugh and do all that but I have to get through it quick so I can get to my guests but I want to give you the reason why I think leadership matters and it's because there I was um, you know the guy turns white my daughter laughs and she said oh it's okay this is my brother Dar that's how he says hello and Up to that point, I'd been really rough. Not rough, like physically rough, but tough in my tone of voice and in my expectations with um, him in order to control him whenever we were out and about. When we were at home, I was much more relaxed and fun. And so there was this crazy dichotomy in his world, this, this, you know, mom's one person when she's out and another person when she's in. And a lot of that had to do with my misinterpretation of how to lead the rest of the world to be kind to him. I thought I'd be tough first. So um, this guy panics. My daughter smooths it over. He shakes my son's hand. And from the rest of the visit, all he does is keep on purpose running into my son so he can shake his hand again and be kind. And that was the moment I realized I had been leading. I had been leading the world that I lived in to find him problematic because I'd been being tough. And they saw me the leader of my children be tough, like, darn, don't jump, like that. And um, so they thought that was how they should be. Then I saw them do that, and I thought the world was mean to him. So you see how this cycle happened. And in that moment, I found myself going, oh, I should be outside in the world like I am inside in the world because they don't know, and they are copying me, and I am leading them. 
So if you think that the world of leadership is not something you should learn from, you're wrong. If you're a parent, a caregiver, a teacher, or anybody, you need to understand how to be a leader with the intention of making the difference you want to make. You need to get congruent and clear. And for that, I've written a book. It's called The Seven Senses of Leadership. I suggest you get it. Go to Amazon.com. And also check out the summit when it comes out. So I've been interviewing leaders all over the world. I just talked to Annie Potts. Uh, I mean, it's just, I, I could name drop all day. So it's re- well worth watching out for. All right. So today is kind of along the same bent. So that evolved me into someone who believes in playfulness and play therapy. I'm sure I do neurofeedback, but I use primarily neurofeedback and play. And so I'm always on the lookout for a new twist to that, a new way of um, embracing that or thinking about that. And today's guest is going to give us something really interesting to think about. Before I tell you who it is, I want to remind you to stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the road. And the great guest giveaway is going to be me again because I have this new book and I want you to get it. Okay, so... Angie Anderson is a head teacher, as they say where she is from and where we are from here in America. We call it a principal. She's, um, actually, I'm just going to tell you why I'm having her on, and then I'm going to let her tell you the whole thing about what she is, because when she told me, I went, I can't remember all that. So, <laughs> so um, I saw on LinkedIn an article about Lego therapy. Lego therapy. What's that Lego song? Something about it. Everything is awesome. Yeah, everything is awesome. So I figured Lego therapy has to be awesome. And everything has to be awesome if you're doing something called Lego therapy. And we're going to ask Ange Anderson what the heck that is and also tell us all about who you are. So welcome to the show, Ange. Thank you for being willing to do it. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Lynette. All right, so tell them where you're where you're talking from and what you mean when you say you're um, a head teacher and what your population is that you work with. Um, I'm from North Wales. I'm from um, our um, the school is is in um, a place called Flint, um, which is close to the border of North Wales and England. So it's quite near to Chester. But um, it, North Wales is a very beautiful part of the world. Um, I'm, as I say, I'm head, head teacher of um, a large primary school. We cater for um, 94 children that have got either severe autism, severe learning difficulties, profound and multiple learning difficulties, um, emotional behavioural difficulties, um, complex learning difficulties, or a combination of those. And 75% of our pupils have autism either as a primary or a secondary diagnosis. Okay, so we know who you are and where you are. Now how about what the heck is Lego therapy? Well, before I, I before I go into Lego therapy, I'll tell you that we, that we provide um, as a school um, 22 different therapies, um, therapeutic interventions for our pupils, so that depending on their needs, um, the therapy would be on offer to them. Um, Lego therapy, we brought in, um, so some of those are, uh, for instance, vibroacoustic therapy, play therapy, um, magic therapy, um, that's from um um, Kevin Spencer from America, um, he introduced that. That's fantastic. Um, and, oh gosh, um, rebound therapy, hydrotherapy, 
therapy. Um, gosh, there's so many. Venture into play therapy. Um, we're, we're branching into DIR floor time. Um, we do intensive interaction. Can I send every kid I know to your school? <laughs> Well, one of the parents did, did say to somebody who was, who was uh, whose child was in a mainstream school and she said, you know, um, I, he's not, not, it's not working for him at all. And she said, well, I would highly recommend the school that my twin boys go to. She said, if you want to think of the, the best private school in the world and that you haven't got to pay for, a school Pencork is the school. So, you know, we have got a reputation for, um, you know, ensuring that our children are in the right frame of mind to learn before they can learn. So if you've got a child with extreme emotional behavioural difficulties, there is no way at all, perhaps, when he comes in on a Monday, he's actually going to settle and be able to do some curriculum-based work. Um, it may be that he needs to go off and we also do reflexology and um, um, story massage and all different kinds of things. So it depends on oh, music therapy as well. Um, sound beam and scoog. Um, so all these different things is dependent on the needs, if it meets the needs of the child. Sometimes the parents ask, um, sometimes the teacher recommends it and so on. Sometimes the pupil might ask. But what we found this year is Wales is changing its curriculum um, quite considerably, uh, revolutionary really, and I'm involved in that as a pioneer, working um, for a pioneer leadership and curriculum uh, for the Welsh Government, um, in that um, we're trying to steer specialist schools into being the kind of schools I mean you may as well send your child to a mainstream mm. school if you want your child to do ordinary curriculum subjects if you know that your child is able to do those things then you would like a specialist school that provides and supports your child to get them in the right frame of mind to learn and then if it succeeds and we find the right key and they could easily go back into mainstream in fact we're on the same campus as a mainstream school so some of our children are involved in inclusion there so lego therapy um came about as i explained in the article in that i was going to introduce it two or three years ago and um, I researched it as I do in the summer holidays. And after I'd researched it, I was concerned whether or not the staff would actually be able to um, leave the children to do that part of it that the children need to do for themselves. I was worried that the staff would try and help them too much. And um, so I <laughs> decided that we wouldn't bring it in after, after all that. And then um, almost a year went past and I... I actually was at a church meeting and um, the minister was telling us that the, the following day we were going to have, um, 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 it's called social Lego, and we were meeting for that so we could plan um, the way forward for the church. And I was so blown away by it that I went out immediately afterwards and bought um, loads of different um, boxes of Lego um, instructions and took them to the um, training day which I was given for, for staff the next day. Now where they were going and the different training they were had had been planned months in advance but my introduction hadn't been finalised so I introduced it with um, Lego um, for social Lego and Lego therapy, gave them laminated cards for what they needed to do and sent them off to do that alongside the training that they were having. The success of that was phenomenal. And um, we've had Lego therapy as a therapy ever since. And because we're now working with the Welsh Government to deliver right across, we've changed in that it's no longer certain children get certain therapies. Every child gets the opportunity to have every therapy. So Lego therapy is timetabled into the, the afternoon curriculum. So one session, um, you know, they have, each afternoon is something different, and on one of the sessions, depending on what class you're in, it will be plays. 
So some of that might be um, therapeutic play or it might be venture into play or it might be Lego therapy or it might be, you know, a host of different therapies that you could that you might actually think were play. But as I've as I've said in the um, in the article, you know, um, Plato has something to say about that, and then also too does um, oh gosh, um, I'm trying to think of his name now. I'm talking um, South African Seymour um, Papert, um, who um, ended up working um, with Lego, um, um, also has, uh, was able to say how important play was. And what happens with the Lego is that they actually are learning to cooperate with each other they're learning to take turns um, they're learning to um, respond to different directions depending on whether they're the master builder or whether or not they're the one who's directing the actions or whether they're the one who's sorting out the different shapes and you can imagine um, for somebody with autism some of those areas they particularly like doing but they manage to um, change roles as they're going through the actual activity um, and we're involved with um, Legoland Manchester now um, they're going to give us a load of resources and they're watch, watching what we're doing um, we're taking part in a research project with um, with um, Lego regarding our Lego based therapy because they haven't done a lot of research with special schools regarding therapy um, Lego sorry um, so yeah, so yeah that's <laughs> it's, okay so that's amazing. Just everything you said is amazing. Um, so let's isolate a couple of these things. Number one, is the magic in the Lego or is the magic in the fact that you're backing off, presenting a form of dir direction via cards, et cetera, et cetera, and role playing, and then just letting them find their, like, would it work with Lincoln logs? Would it work with different blocks? Would it work with, like, what is it that you think is the magic in this therapy? Um... It's the fact that they that they're they're not restricted to um, um, a pen and paper activity. Um, it's 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 done in um, a climate in a different kind of climate to what you, what it would be like in an ordinary school lesson. In that they think a lot of the time that they're just playing, and yet they're learning things that they would take a lot longer to learn if they were in a classroom situation. So, for instance, you know, there are rewards um, for, for um, different aspects of, of the Lego therapy. I haven't got that in front of me at the moment, actually. Um, but it's all on that um, article that I did, if you want to just cut it from there. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so there's different aspects that we... Uh, um, that we try to encourage in the child. Uh, obviously, taking turn is a huge thing for children with autism. They find it very difficult to take turn. They find it very difficult to let somebody else um, do something that they want to do and so on. Um, there are certificates that they win along the way as they're doing it. They're very, very proud of what they do. And when, when um, 18 months ago or perhaps longer when we first introduced it, um, there was a choice of um, going out on a particular um, event outside the school. Um, the teacher had come to me the night, the evening before and said, um, oh, it's so-and-so tomorrow, so they won't be having Lego therapy. I said, have you asked them whether or not they want to go on that? Oh, well, they've always wanted to go on it. I said, mm. oh, well, have you asked them whether they want to go on that or whether they would prefer to stay in school and do Lego therapy? And she said, oh, I'll ask them because she's a brilliant teacher. And um, the following morning, she came to see me and she said, none of them want to go on that trip. They all want to stay behind to do their Lego therapy. And that just shows you the kind of commitment that the children have got to something like that and the difference that it 
it's actually made to their enjoyment of being in school. Well, you know, actually, <laughs> actually, what it shows me is that you guys are fantastic because you took the time to ask the kids. Um, it's one of the biggest challenges I have in working with people who work with children that are special is getting them to realize that if the child doesn't have some input into the choice of their day, which is very different than saying you're doing this and then waiting for the child to resist, but actually giving them input, (coughs) sorry, excuse my throat, input into their day, that there's a huge buy-in then. Um, I, I have a million questions. All right, so let's, like a million. Um, I, I think I'm in love with your school, and I've never even been there, but just that you're rolling off your tongue, all of these things that I'm always trying to get people to see value in. So let's, let's just talk about the concept of calling it a therapy so that it's yeah. accepted differently. So here you have Lego play. We have play. We have magic. We have all these different things that in the right hands – was always a bit of a therapy. We always um, allowed children to learn and taught them via these kinds of things until they got a diagnosis. And then the minute they got a diagnosis, a large number of people in the world of therapies or education start (coughs) treating the child like they can't do stuff and that they can't do fun stuff till later. So... um, do you get more more uh, cooperation because it's Lego therapy? Do you get on board better? Is it easier for you to promote it? Let's talk about that whole concept for a second. I, I think it's it's um, <coughs> for us. It's I mean, for instance, we, we're bringing in neurofeedback as well. Um, we wouldn't call that a therapy as such. Um, neurofeedback. Um, as more a, um, what, what would you call training, it? A brain training yeah, or training, a... Brain yeah. training, that's yeah. right. right. And um, auditory integration is um, is another one that we do, and that's training as well. Um, so, you know, some of it is therapies, and some of it's actually training, but all of them have a structure to them. So whether it's Lego play or whether it's magic therapy or any of those things, they've always got some kind of structure so the children know what's expected of them. Um, and I think that's particularly the, the secret of the success with Lego, is it's all very visual. It's all, you know, on the walls of the Lego therapy room. They're all, you know, it shows you the stages that, that you go through. It's got the certificates up there so they know what they could achieve. It's got the rules. There are Lego club rules because we have to call it Lego <laughs> club therapy now. Um, I love that. Okay, okay, okay. So Lego... Uh, and magic and play, these are all things that we naturally would have used before. And structure is put in, and that enables it to become a therapy. Let's think about autism for a second. I've always seen it as an experiential disorder in that my children, most of them came off the spectrum because I let them live inside of the the experience and learn inside the experience with guidance. That's what I'm hearing in this approach. Speak to that or argue with me, whatever. It, it is about... It is about getting down to their wavelength and finding the key. It's all about the key. What What is going to unlock the door for them? 
what is going to enable I mean we're just opening up well we've just opened it actually um, a virtual reality room um, for the children so that you know as we all know um, children with um, autism particularly severe autism find it very difficult to go to certain places or you know maybe even to cross a road and things like that but if you can create a virtual reality within a school in a safe environment and get them to practice it out and then take them to that place afterwards to see whether or not that what you have done has actually worked. I mean, we're, we're doing that at the moment so we're researching it as we're going along but um, there's um, a school in um, there's a university in Israel in Haifa and there's one in I think it's Nottingham here um, where they the universities have studied it and have tried to get ch children with autism to cross roads using virtual reality and then taking them out onto the roads at a later time to see whether that whether or not it has an effect and it's been proven that it does work so we're doing that with them as well at the moment so it's all about finding you know, what will help our children to have a better quality of life, to enable them to actually be part of, of society and to be able to do the things that they want to do. It's just the way that things are structured that, you know, like, for instance, the auditory integration therapy that we do, that's very beneficial to, to children with autism who, whose um, hearing is hypersensitive or hyper sensitive you know um, and so that's helped them tremendously and again if you if you go to our website which is um, YSGOL a skull that's the Welsh word for school we're we're Welsh um, a skull pen P-E-N and then C-O-C-H pen cork pen cork is all, all one word um, dot org and then you'll find out all about the different therapies we offer and um, you know the Forgot what we were just talking. Oh, um, and about the different um, projects and, and things that we've got off the ground, and and the auditory integration, how that's worked with, like for instance, there's a pop art um, sound phonic program to help children in special schools learn phonics, and it wasn't working for ten of our pupils after we assessed using it for the first year. So then we wrote to the parents of those 10 pupils and said, would you like your children to try auditory integration therapy? Um, and eight out of the ten said yes, they would. Um, out of the eight, six of them made phenomenal progress as a result of the auditory integration therapy. Two pupils didn't. One had a, a traumatic um, things happening at home, so you know that's not avoid really. Yeah. And the other one, well, it just didn't work for him. So you know we're trying um, Earl and Lens um, with him at the moment moment to see whether that makes a difference and if that doesn't because that's more obviously visual um, then we'll just have to say that the phonic um, way of um, you know learning to read or whatever just doesn't work for that particular child so it is all about you know just finding out you know the key to help unlock um, the world for them so that they feel better able to manage you know yeah and I just love you um, uh, and just uh, as an FYI um, so I was Asperger's and one of the things that I had was pixelated vision and an inability to recognize as a result you know uh, re remember faces and um, an inability to know if you were black or white or Chinese or uh, any Asian I suppose is the correct term and um and I had auditory training, and it corrected my vision. So it's an interesting. Yeah, very. Thing. I find it fascinating. 
fascinating. It's very fascinating. It, it was one of the things that got me really paying attention to the brain and the pathways of the sensory system and realizing the ways in which they, they relate to each other and connect and, and disconnect and misconnect. Um, okay, so you are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. We are talking with Angie Anderson from Wales. It's, uh, I mean, she's got so many therapies rolling off her tongue that you're going to have to listen to this again with pen and paper and pause it and go, okay, what's that? And oh, what's that? And oh, what's that? And in fact, she's mentioned a couple that I don't know. So I'm going to be doing that and go back and go, how come I didn't know that one? Um, and I, I really suggest you do that. This is a woman with a wealth of information. So I was interested because of the Lego therapy, but I was uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that wow, <laughs> what a school you have. I'm so thrilled to find somebody who, and I found many, that's who I have on the show, but um, to find somebody who has this kind of support for her population. Uh, stay to the very end of the show where I will do stories from the road. And okay, 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 the great guest giveaway is going to be my book, so make sure you hang in there. Um, okay, Angie, we are back. We're going to just give you a couple of minutes to give us your backstory what made you so interested or how did you end up in this position with such a great attitude and I mean it I'm not just complimenting what a great attitude you have um what how did you get there do do you have autistic children do you have um, your own disabilities did you just fall into this what's the story no I I uh um, I've been. Um, I've worked in mainstream as well. As, I've worked right across from mainstream, secondary, primary, um, nursery, um, and then in special too. I've run centres outside of school when I was in pre- when I was in primary. Um, I've run centres for um, children with dyslexia and so on, and I'm obviously qualified in that area. And when I was running the centres for those children, I was getting more and more children coming. Um, we ran it for free, and, and um, I was getting more and more children coming who had um, global delay and all kinds of things. And so I was fascinated by that. And then I had um, a traumatic car accident, um, which was a head-on collision. And um, wow. as a result, as a result, I couldn't run the center anymore because I couldn't carry the things, computers and things that I had in the car to get to the center and all. And my marriage broke up, and um, so we moved my daughter and myself um, about twenty miles up the road. And um, there was a job going in a special school, and I applied for it. And within a week, um, I, it was a class teacher role. But within a week, they asked me if I'd be. Um, the acting deputy head, um, because the deputy had had to go off on um, long-term absence due to her husband's illness. And it just went from there, really. And um, I went from there across to Jersey, and um, that was exciting in that, um, you know, the head who had gone there the year previous to me um, had started making um, some vast difference because it was very stuck in the, you know, it's it, it still still running um, an old curriculum and old ways, and it was so exciting to go there and be able to change it all and to bring in things that mattered to the children and made a difference. And I think it is all about making a difference. And then I came back over to this country um, after a couple of years um, for personal reasons and um, took a job as um, an assistant head then in um, a school um um, oh, I was assistant head in Jersey too, and then took um, a role over here 
um, in Cheltenham as an assistant head in a special school there. And, um, and the head said to me, um, you need to become a head because you make such a difference and a school needs to have you as a head because you will make a difference. And um, that was nearly eight years ago and um, I applied for a headship up here and I had to move a considerable distance away from all my family. I'm totally up here on my own and as a head, you are, it is a lonely life. Um, and I think, unfortunately for myself, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic. <laughs> and I am fascinated, fascinated by research and um, you know, we wrote a book, um, myself and um, the staff in school and all the other physios at that, all the other therapists at that time, I mean, it's increased since then. So we wrote a book called Therapeutic, um, The Future of Special Schools and Therapeutic Intervention. Um, because obviously, you know, there's talk of there shouldn't be special schools. And I say there should be specialist schools where you're specializing in um supporting um, people who can't function ordinarily in an ordinary school. And then on top of that, we now, um, uh, we were open three evenings a week um, catering for adults with learning disabilities in the local area community. Um, I started that about four years ago, I think. And um, it increased to such an extent that we had a waiting list of those adults wanting to come and if you if you worked as and I know you do because you, you've obviously got six children that um, you've been bringing up with learning disabilities you know that opportunities and lifelong learning is a big clarion call in, in the UK um, for, for everybody and they totally forget those adults who, who um, can't access and those kinds of things because right. they can't speak they've got no communication right and so I was I was very passionate about opening up the school um, for them so we opened it for three evenings a week um, for a couple of hours and then um, I wrote in my not my last summer holiday the summer holiday before I wrote a business plan um, to try and get a charity to fund a manager for that because I was trying to manage that as well as the school and everything. Anyway, we won seventy five thousand um, to last us for three years to employ that, and that started this year properly. And we are now open um, four evenings a week, and we'll soon be open on the Saturday as well as I intended, so that these adults actually get to access and have leisure facilities that ordinary people take for granted. And it's no good saying as an ordinary person, well, come on, I'll take you down to the leisure centre and you can, you can watch me kick the ball about. <laughs> well, that's what happens. That's quite insulting. You know? Isn't it? Because actually, yes. why can't you as a friend and, and um, adults with profound and multiple learning difficulties, severe autism and severe learning difficulties, don't get many friends yeah. but if you want to be their friend then go and do something that they want to do you know go and go and watch them in the hydrotherapy pool at our school you know right. go in the hydrotherapy pool with them if you want you know go and see them on the vibroacoustic bed some of our some of our adults have slept for the first time in years because they've they've been on the vibroacoustic bed so you know, and that's um, Olaf Skille and the Norwegian um, did all the um, stuff about um, vibroacoustic beds, and I researched all that one of my summer holidays, and then decided to um, take it on board. You know, um, so yes, yeah, so it's very much about um, the rights of those less fortunate who can't speak up for themselves, and that means our pupils are as well as the adults, because what I have to remember all the time is our pupils will soon become those adults. And unless yeah. we, we use our schools right across the 
UK, you know, worldwide really, unless you use the facilities you've already got, with the hoisting facilities you've already got, the hydrotherapy pools you've already got, it is no good people promising and saying, well, that should be happening in the local leisure centre and we will do that. No, you won't. No, you won't. You're just saying that. It's already there in your right. community. Right. And we use the, those places, you know? Okay, I'm going to come visit you. Oh, my God. I, I, I just... definitely invited, yeah. <laughs> I definitely love the sound of this. I'm, like, going to start throwing kids your way. All right, so um, I want to know, how do people get your book? It's on Amazon. Okay, and say the um, title again. It's called um, The Future of Special Schools and Therapeutic mm-hmm. Intervention. Okay, people, go get that book right now. Um I wish I had more time. And you are amazing. Thank you for being such a font of information. Thank you for being such a hero amongst our people and uh, for it, for building this uh, multifaceted, loving the child first approach. I, I hope to have you on again. You're fantastic. Thank you. I'm really impressed um, with you, Lynette. Fancy having six children with, um, with learning difficulties and, and um, taking them on board. Um, as a, as um, adopted, I mean that is I applaud you for it. Amazing. Well, thank you. Um, well, they're not special anymore. Only one is. <laughs> so we did we did some really good work along the way before they invented all this stuff. I just played the Legos and didn't know it was therapy. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. I think that's some of what gets lost is the as soon as the children have a diagnosis, the parents don't know how to play anymore. And we kind of knew way back when how to do this. And it does take more than that, though. So I love your approach. I love that you've got all of this all-inclusive stuff. It's fantastic. I'll have you on again if you'll come. Um, All right. I'm going to have to say goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that was Ange Anderson, and holy cow, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guest. We were truly blessed today, Um, and I really loved how she brought up the point of, you know, there was a point in her career where they were saying, you know, you need to be the head. You need to be the head of this so that you can really make a difference out in the world, and she even, uh, you know, was explaining how first there was this and this and this, and I brought it all together, and now, now she has the control and the ability to change rules and laws and and really reach out into the global community and make a difference for our kids and I didn't even know that was going to be the way that this goes, but it really does sort of underscore what I was saying at the very beginning, and that's why I am, once again, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. If you want to have the seven senses of leadership, the Brain Broad's Guide to Leadership Sensibilities, give me an email that says, help me lead in the subject line, and send it to mom, M-O-M, number four, ever, E-V-E-R, M-O-R-E, so it reads mom forevermore at Juno, J-U-N-O dot com, not Gmail, Juno, J-U-N-O. Okay, so the first person to do that is going to get a free book, and I'll sign it and say, you know, good luck on your journey and all that stuff. Um, I think it's an important point to understand that we as parents are leaders. We as educators are leaders. We as caregivers are leaders. And if we don't understand how that all comes together, how our sensory system works, um, we, you know, there's myth busting in there too, and there's leader stories, but um, we really want to understand how our sensory system works as we choose to listen to someone or 
block them out. As we choose to pay attention with our eyes over paying attention with our ears or pay attention to the taste and ignore the smell, that sort of thing. And it's especially true of our population because our population is a mess with their sensory system. It's all misfiring. You know, they're tasting shapes and, <laughs> and, and smelling color. So, um, that's actually a truth, and you really want to understand how that can be going wrong. And my book is really a, a great gift for that, and I really hope somebody grabs it. Um, I'm very blessed. I had Jeff Hoffman wrote a little testimonial on the front cover, and it was really fun for me because Jeff Hoffman was the co-founder of Priceline, and they really made their themselves known by having William Shatner on their commercials being very funny, and William Shatner was Canadian, and I had met him years before when I was an extra on a movie set. So I'd always paid attention to that company. I never watched TV. I never see com commercials, but I paid attention to that one because of that little, you know, sort of supportive feeling for William Shatner. And then here years later, I meet this billionaire and he loves my book and he puts a testimonial on it. So the world has this sort of, uh, gathering together of what should happen all on its own. And I think that happened for Ange, too. Maybe she did have a failed marriage as a result of the car accident, but look where it took her. And I think there's a plan. I don't know if we're making the plan and it's manifesting out in front of us or if someone else made the plan, but always these challenges lead to beautiful things. So something Something right is going on. So let's gather together and create leadership in the world that really, really helps our children become contributing adults. And by the way, my book's on Amazon.com as well and .ca and all those. And if you're really far away and you don't want to pay the shipping charges, get it on Kindle. Okay, it is time for Stories from the Road. <clears throat> All right, so I want to tell you a story about a little try or a child that I work with in Paris that ended up in England. And the reason is, it seems to me like, um, America gets all of this propaganda PR work done where everyone thinks all the best therapies are here. And yet, when I've reached out and tried to find the right therapy, it's often been on UK soil. So um, I want you to sort of open up your mind a little bit and say, hey, there's more out there than what is it in, here in America. Uh, a lot of the time people come from very far away and they... You know, I've had people who came from Italy, people who came from Lebanon, people who came from India, and they relocate here in the States trying to find good therapy. And sometimes they come away from their clean air and their clean environment to a more polluted world that has a lot more politics going on. Sometimes they get better therapy. But what I want you to know is that you have to investigate it. It can't just think that because it's America and they advertise themselves better that there's more good stuff here. I have never heard anyone who is the head of a school line up that many therapies that I agreed with in my life. So, um, and just proved that you don't have to be in America <laughs> to be getting good work done. So please don't buy that, um, that PR propaganda, okay? Sometimes America's great, but sometimes everyone else is great. This is a global world we live in. This is a global community. And that's what we want to do moving forward is share together globally as one huge thing. 
With that in mind, um, so this young man that I worked with in Paris, I think I've talked about him quite a few times. It's kind of very dear to my heart. I've even had his sister on the show because she now does neurofeedback and she just wrote a, well, the rough draft of a book talking about how much he changed and how much he was benefited. But when it got time for him to go to college, uh, you know, when I met him, he was hitting himself and bleeding and all these things and were going on. It was, it was an intensely difficult puberty period for him and he got some ticks and he was just, oh, and he was always so motivated, but he was motivated to walk. So he walked all over Paris all day long, right? Really fast. So, um, when it came time, he, he, calm down a lot. Everything was really looking good. And his mom was so brave. And she said, you know what? I think, I think he needs to go off to school now to college like other children do. So she found a school in the United Kingdom where he went. And so here he has this like strange way of talking. He's multilingual, but none of it is uh, an English accent. And he goes away to school, which turns out to be really wonderful. Um, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but I can't right now. So sorry. You can always email me momforevermore at juno.com and I'll tell you what it is. Anyway, so the next time I see him, he's got this, he's got this autistic, originally French English accent going on. It was the cutest thing I ever heard in my life. The transition was difficult. The, you know, the learning to work at this college and be a part of everybody was difficult. The learning to be away from home was difficult. But he saw it as the way to be a man. And it was difficult, but his family supported him. So fortunately, they were affluent and able to do that. And the mom constantly flew there. She was just very available. And now he's graduated college and he has a job and he's doing great things. So understand that it's a lot of work, but we can do it if we work together, we share our resources, and we love them every step of the way. Let them learn and experience not so much sitting at a desk being shown cards, okay? Children need the opportunity to feel and live within the learning they're trying to acquire. So if you're trying to acquire turn-taking, then you want to be playing within. If you're trying to acquire the, the spatial reasoning that allows you to put blocks together, you want to be putting blocks together, not just tested to see if you can. There's a difference. I'm Lynette Louisa Story, teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today was an awesome day. We just got loads of information and was amazing. And I will talk to you another time. Um, thanks for being here. This is a new spin on autism answers. And without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.